Okay, welcome everybody to week number two of everything your divorce lawyer can't tell you. Uh, we have a really awesome guest this week. It's very exciting. Uh, the one and only Brad Burfus. Um, some of you who are going to be listening at home will know Brad already. You understand that, number one, he's such a funny individual. Uh, he can make anybody laugh almost instantly. Um, beyond that, he is a very seasoned divorce attorney. Um, and beyond that, he's a champion of mediation. Even though he can really make more money at times doing litigation, it's because he's so invested in couples meeting an appropriate resolution that works for them and the children. That's just the kind of person he is. He's very compassionate. And for those of you who don't know, he gave me permission both to advertise and say it here that he himself is a single father. So he has like a very unique and fresh perspective. Welcome, Brad. Thank you, Jacob. I uh, appreciate it. Wow. Um, I must have paid you well, you know, for that introduction. Uh, you know, um, sentiments right back at you, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here on the show. Thank you, Brad. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the kind words. So, you know, uh, we've had a lot of conversations over the last few months regarding, you know, our stories. And I think, you know, the intersection is unique, of course, that we're both, you know, kind of single in this crazy world. And uh, we're both, you know, also divorce attorneys, obviously. I'm not a mediator. So, you know, one of the things I know we've discussed in the past, I really wanted to understand, like, what made you do this? Like, you went to law school. Um, I remember you mentioned to me at some point, like, who goes to law school think they're going to be a matrimonial attorney? Like, it's the pits. Like, the, the fighting is really intense. You need a thick skin. So, like, how did you get involved in this whole thicket? Well, it's an excellent question. Truthfully, when I did go to law school, um, I went to Toro Law School. I honestly had no ambition whatsoever to go into matrimonial law. Um, I actually wanted to go into sports entertainment law, to be honest with you. Um, I had experience uh, working at the NBA and with um, the NBC studios and the sports department. And that was, uh, so to speak, the calling that I thought I would get into. Um, unfortunately, I graduated after 9-11. Um, so, uh, 2002, that following year, things changed dramatically from that perspective. So I had to kind of change gear in the sense of where I was going. Um, and, um, I worked for an assembly woman who led a rest in peace, uh, in Queens, Nettie Mayerson. I did legislation for her in Albany, um, women's rights, women's issues. I did collection. I did L and T stuff. Um, I did some divorce, but to be honest with you, not really litigating more for personal friends. Um, a phone call here, a phone call there to opposing counsel, not as the attorney. Um, but I got into it, honestly, because of my own personal divorce myself. Um, and through that experience, um, I realized that I actually, I didn't enjoy the divorce, who does, but I enjoyed the aspect of helping people and navigating through the process, um, dealing with the divorce and helping individuals um, you know, cope with it, um, not only from a, you know, I'm not a therapist or a psychologist for that matter, but I've been told by a lot of people that, uh, you know, I'm very good that uh, in terms of helping people and, um, you know, getting through to individuals, not only um, helping them through the process of the divorce, but actually um, from an emotional therapeutic type perspective without having a license. So it was something that I definitely enjoyed doing. Um, through that experience, um, I decided to, with a partner, we decided to do mediation, which is how the whole idea of mediation came about, because we thought uh, there is a, um, another way to go about um, divorces. 
Um, and that's where um, my expertise came into play uh, for the purposes of doing it in a more economical, um, efficient manner for not only um, the, the, uh, the mother, father, um, husband, wife, but more importantly, as you stated earlier, uh, the children, which are the individuals um, or individuals that unfortunately are affected by a drawn out divorce process. And if it could be done in a shorter amount of time by a mediation, um, to me, that's the approach where to go. So um, it's interesting how going back to law school, it wasn't even a thought. I took one class in, you know, in, in matrimonial law, divorce, family law, call it whatever you want. Um, and it wasn't something on my radar, but it became something on my radar. And as they say, you know, sometimes in life, you never know where you're going to go. And obviously this, I guess, was my calling. And I'm happy that I found that calling because I enjoyed it immensely. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I appreciate that perspective. I've heard, you know, pieces of that before, but it's always like, you know, I don't know if I've ever asked you such a pointed question. So it was interesting to hear how you kind of put that all together. Um, I also want to say I'm kind of hurt because I thought I was the only person getting like free counseling from Brad Burfus. And now I found out I'm just like a needle in a haystack. So that's really not cool. I'm kind of hurt. Um, I just want to kind of digress here for a second. Is it okay if I get like juicy and personal? Is that kosher? Absolutely. I share my life with people on the subway. So feel free to interject or throw anything out you want. Although these days I haven't been on the subway. So I got to like uh, talk to people on the street corner or, you know, or uh, Facebook or, you know, Instagram, as they say. So I haven't had that experience recently. So feel free, please. <laughs> So I guess my question is, uh, I'm not as seasoned as you are in this arena. And within the short period of time that I'm doing this, I always get like these requests for like favors, like, hey, can you like step in, represent this person, answer this question? I'm fighting my lawyer. Can you kind of like sort this out? Like, how, like, how do you handle these things? Like, you're like, you have like a lot of integrity. You're always like very balanced. Like, what do you do when people call you with these kinds of questions? Like, how do you handle it? I pretend that I'm Brad, but I'm really else, you know? um, no, it's an excellent question. And it's a tough question because, you know, as I stated earlier, um, I always believed in the saying, pay it forward um, and always helping people. You know, when I first went through my own divorce process, um, I reached, to, reached out to various attorneys because as I said, I didn't really know the law. Um, and I was trying to navigate um, learning it and at the same time dealing with my own situation. And surprisingly enough, as they say, you know, attorneys are, you fill in the adjective, but um, a number of individuals, um, I could sit here all day naming them, I'm not gonna do that. Um, plus I don't wanna embarrass them, although it's not an embarrassment, they were immensely helpful um, in not only guiding me, but helping me um, in a lot of respects. And I learned through them that, um, you know, it's not always about the money and it's not always about um, nickel and diming individuals. Um, for me, it was about, getting to understand these individuals and what they were going through. And it allowed me to, um, by learning that I was able to know that if an opportunity presented itself for me to help those individuals, um, I was there to help them. It's kind of like similar to a certain extent or maybe not, but it's like, you know, if you're divorced, you're single, um, you live in, as we live in, or I live in, you know, we both live in Orthodox, you know, community in Cedars, you know, anywhere for that matter, you know, it's like, you know, people invite you for Shabbos if you're in that situation. And I kind of feel like people that 
you know, are, have the capability of doing that by being married or have a big table, have a big family and are able to give it back and paying it forward, um, the opportunity will present itself when God willing, I'm remarried, you're remarried, you know, other people are remarried. So in the same breath, when, you know, people are struggling through a divorce process, going through it once, twice, depending on the circumstances, you know, um, each situation is unique. And if I'm able to pay it forward and help these individuals out, um, I definitely do in that respect, because um, I know people, as I said, were there for me, and now it's my opportunity to be there for them. Now, there are times, as you said, that people, whether it's uh, through various divorce groups I'm a part of on, online, um, or if I'm at events, obviously not recently, um, with COVID, but nonetheless, you know, you get people that are like, oh, you know, Brad, could you help me with this, or could I have a question regarding this, or something like that. And to be honest with you, um, I never shut anyone out. I always try to answer the question uh, to the best of my ability. Um, sometimes, you know, people like feel like can't afford it or they can't afford an hourly rate. So I lower my rates. I'm not one of those that says it must be this. Otherwise, have a nice day or find another returning. Um, I do find myself um, helping individuals. I have helped individuals. I've done more pro bono than probably I could imagine. But to me, it, it's it's not something that um, bothers me. It's actually, I enjoy doing it. And if I can make a difference in one person's life or help them cope with the process of divorce easier or post-divorce for that matter, or if they're already divorced and certain issues do come into play, um, for instance, not paying child support or issues with finances or lack of tuition uh, payment from one spouse to the other, um, I have no problem getting involved. And I spoke to other attorneys. I would call up other attorneys that were, um, you know, retained, unlike myself. And I would say, hey, I'm a friend of so-and-so. Uh, would you be kind enough, you know, to entertain? And I found a lot of attorneys, um, regardless of whether I was retained or not, would actually be more um, conducive to talking to me because of the fact that they knew that I was friends with the individual. And sometimes I'm even friends with the other side or was friends that I'm able to zealously represent as I say, represent in quotes, because I'm not technically the attorney then, but sometimes it's better than the attorney that's being, um, that is retained, that may just be looking as an individual, not as a person, but as a dollar amount. And for me, um, I've been successful in helping people. There are times when, yes, it gets a little overboard where I do have to say, you know, enough, you know, you have to make a decision whether to retain me or not, um, or go elsewhere. But I found that the majority of the time, most people appreciate, um, what I give to them. I mean, you can check my reviews. Uh, people know who the, me as an individual is. It's not about the reviews, but it makes me feel good that what I give to individuals, whether it's through pro bono, whether it's through just helping people, whether it's just a listening ear at midnight. Um, and that's why, um, you know, I'm not comparing myself to other attorneys, but I give out my cell phone numbers to my clients. And the reason I do that is because I look at it again as people. And I know that sometimes, you know, it's not a nine to five job. Sometimes people especially with divorce, one o'clock in the morning, I've gotten phone calls from people and I'm like, oh, gee, let me look at my watch. Let me start clocking it for the purposes of charging. <laughs> um, I do that for the purposes of being there for people. Um, and that's just who I am as a person. I feel, you know, paying it forward again and um, allowing people to know that I'm there not only as an attorney, but more importantly, as a friend or a colleague. Um, and I feel my reputation speaks for itself because the people that know me deeply um, around the community, communities at large, um, whether it's in the Jewish community, um, you know, Asian community, Muslim community, Christian, Catholic, Protestant, doesn't make a difference. Um, I relate to all types of people, um, and people know that about myself, and I pride myself on being there for all types of people, regardless of race, creed, or religion.
That's amazing. And the truth is, like, you do, you know, I know you personally. You do definitely live your life this way. Um, and it's inspiration for me because, like, sometimes I'll see certain calls coming in the caller ID and mm -hmm. my eyes kind of roll from, like, the center all the way to the ceiling, you know, or, like, it'll be a side before. Well, that's why you don't answer my phone calls. I understand. <laughs> now I understand. You see the caller ID coming in. You know, it's me. And that's it. Okay. Now I know. I'll block my number next time. You know, I, I have actually a deal with block numbers, you know, um, my dad used to have like this pillow factory and before I had my license at one point I was helping out and he had like this, uh, you know, this African American uh, warehouse manager who had such a great sense of humor. And I remember like we were driving and he got the same phone call, like must have been seven or eight times. And it just said unavailable, you know, and he goes, if you're unavailable, I'm unavailable, you know, and I, you know, it's always how I feel like. If I don't know who's calling, I'm not answering, leave me a voicemail and finish, you know? I hear um, you. So, That's you know, cool. if I was a mature adult, my response to your question would be to ask more about, you know, the chesed, the kindness-oriented part of it. But I actually wanted to harp on something because sure. we, we spoke very, very briefly this morning. And since we spoke, I had another interesting scenario that came up and you kind of touched on it. So I was just curious to hear your perspective. So somebody called me this afternoon about a girl and it turns out that I represented her ex-husband in the divorce process, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, I, I might be a tad aggressive at times. That might shock you. Um, so shockingly- Only in the courtroom. What'd you say? Only in the courtroom. Only in the courtroom, exactly. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't even a question in my mind that this individual would not go out with me. I just, you know, I, and, you know, it's confidential who I'm representing. So I had to just say to the shadow from like, Thank you very much. I just know the person from the area. It's not a match, that kind of thing. Okay. But like, ha have you encountered this where like something comes up, like it could be good for you and you're like, nah, I can't touch it because like, you know, I represented the other side in the divorce and it'll just be so awkward. Um, absolutely. I mean, considering, as you said, you know, I'm divorced and, you know, I, I you know, been in, the, in this world for, you know, um, 10 years right now. And, um, you know, being out there, a lot of the attorneys that I know personally, and let's be real, we all know each other, you know, generally speaking, uh, we've seen each other, we've, we've, you know, been against each other, we know each other, colleagues in the neighborhood and, and beyond, you know, all these individuals um, are mostly married, as they say, we don't know happily married, but let's assume they're married. Um, and um, I'm in a unique situation, I guess, similar to yourself, as you said, whereby um, not only am I in the field from my livelihood, but I'm also in the field for the purposes of possibly meeting someone. And I've been in that situation where I've gone to events or I've gone, like I said, meeting people here and there. Um, and sometimes situations arise where you're like, wait a second, you know, uh, you know, um, this might be a good match, but at the same time that I can't be the attorney. Um, or post situations, I've gotten calls actually, it's a funny thing that I did so well for a, uh, mother in a post-divorce matter that what happened is the guy wound up getting remarried um, to someone else years later at the time they were both divorced from each other and about five years later after he got remarried he calls me up and he says um, could you represent me and I'm like well what you know and he says uh, I'm getting divorced for the second time well, you did so well the first time with my ex-wife that I want you to represent me in this matter. So what, what better compliment could you have for someone to remember you five years earlier to 
ask you to represent them in a post-matrimonial matter. Now, fortunately or fortunately, um, obviously there's a conflict there. I can't represent both because just in case that situation arises again, um, obviously I, we, you know, I can't represent both parties at that point, especially if I took on the husband's um, new case, as they say, with his uh, soon-to-be second ex-wife. Um, but I've had situations whereby, um, you know, you know, treading in the sense of figuring out um, whether to go out with someone, not to go out with someone. Um, in your situation, obviously, you can't. It's a good answer that you gave, you know, not, you know, giving the, the concrete answer. Oh, I represented the ex-husband, but more in a sense of just like, let her think you're not religious enough or whatever, you know, or vice versa. But um, it definitely does come up and um, you have to, you know, navigate through figuring out what actually, um, you know, is the, you know, the right approach and whether or not, you know, what's more important to you, you know, what's more important, is it the money, is it the case, is it the possibility of a potential spouse, um, those are questions that you have to answer, um, and any divorce attorney or, you know, any attorney or anyone for that matter, you know, I would think if they're in a profession, sometimes deals with it. The difference, though, with our profession is there are a lot of ethics um, that we're bound by, not to say that in other professions you're not, but I find that they're more so in this profession than other professions. Um, that you really need to um, know the direction that you're going. And all I can say is that if it's a close call, um, run, as I say, as far as Gump would appreciate, run faster than Forrest Gump, because you don't want to be in a situation where you're representing someone at the same time going out with them, which obviously you can't do, um, or even be in a situation where even if you represent them, um, possibly, you know, go out. Now, that being said, if you're if you handle the situation, they sign on the dotted line, the divorce, you move forward, whatever, then that's up to you to make that ultimate call if you want to go out with that individual. Um, that's something that um, there's nothing wrong about. It might be frowned upon by the community um, or communities. That's a decision you have to reach. Um, I've reached that decision myself, you know, in, in certain respects. Um, but all I have to say is caution yourself um, and try to not, as they say, mix business with pleasure. Right. I mean, and the thing is, when it comes to family law, it's even tougher because the ethics requirements are, are heightened. Mm -hmm. This is why I even questioned for myself, what was the right field? I was like, you know, right. I right. tried close enough to the ethic boundary as it is. This is going to get even worse. Um, right. So, you know, I, I know I'm kind of digressing to different topics, jumping all over the place. It's one of the things I like to do. Okay. Um, like so, so I have in front of me an article. I read it a number of times already. And um, I'm, not, I'm not at liberty to go too much into it because it's not my story. Um, but I got the chills when I read these two lines and uh, I, I hope that you'll forgive me for embarrassing you, but I just really wanted to read it. And read it. What'd you say? I said, I don't get embarrassed. Okay. I mean, I got the chills when I read these lines and I, I was hoping you could maybe, you know, just comment and talk about it a little bit. So I, I think it was both in the five times Jewish times and the Jewish press. So the lines that really jumped out of me, it's this article about parental alienation. It says, making it about you and your needs and desires will almost always fail. You as a targeted parent can only understand the effects of alienation when you come to the realization that imposing the same type of unhealthy behavior on your ex only further perpetuates the cycle of hurt for your child. Um, for me personally, this was striking for so many reasons. Um, as you know, I also went through a divorce and when you're in the throes of it, especially when it comes to your children, to be able to like take a step back and have such a healthy approach to be like, I'm not fighting back. I'm kind of going to just stay where I am 
and really try to think what the best interest of my child is. First of all, it's such true love for your child. It, it's such a mature approach to say to yourself, like, I'm not going to fight fire with fire. You know, um, sometimes when I see somebody, you know, write an article about parental alienation, especially someone who's been divorced, my stomach starts to turn because like, here they're going to be airing all the dirty laundry about your child and everything else. But your article, the focus was really just how you can humble yourself in a situation like this and do what's best for your child. Um, and this article, I mean, you first posted it, you know, in the firm lawyers chat, I read it, I was totally bowled over. And then a number of people have, you know, forwarded me the article over the course of the week and said, you know, I know you're a family lawyer, check this out, this article is fantastic. So um, that, you know, that's kind of in my view, um, in terms of what I've seen has been referred to me. So I'm sure as the author, you've experienced this kind of explode from every possible direction. So I was just wondering if you can maybe go into that for you know a minute or two, however long you want. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate you bringing it up because um, first of all, before I elaborate on it, I want to give a special thanks to both editors who I know personally, um, Five Pound Jewish Times, Larry Gordon, um, and uh, from the Jewish Press and Naomi Bauer, both of them who were instrumental um, in allowing me to publish a article that definitely is important, not only for our community, this communities at large, or anyone that specializes in matrimonial law, because it is an issue that's difficult to talk about or even difficult to write, but it's something that needed to be addressed, and I'm happy for that opportunity, so thank you both. Um, that being said, um, when you're dealing with a situa situation of parental alienation, um, you're never going to win if you argue with the, the parent that is alienating you. You think you're going to win. You're going to attack them. You're going to tell them why you alienated my child or children. And they're going to deny it. They're never going to admit, oh, yeah, it's me. I did it. You know, it's always going to be about, you know, about you, meaning you're the one that did wrong in the marriage. You're the one that's alienated your own child. You're the one that's done everything wrong. Um, and blame you over and over and over again for their shortcomings. And in order for them to sleep peacefully at night, um, which is psychology 101, I didn't major in psych, actually major in communication, but that being said, um, it's basic um, understanding that in order for them to go through life, they have to blame someone, they need a fall guy. And most of these individuals um, are bipolar. Um, most of them are have, um, you know, tendencies whereby they're um, pathological liars. Um, they'll never see it and they'll never admit it. Um, and that's why a lot of them refuse to go to therapy, in fact, um, because they don't want the truth to come out with a licensed therapist, they would be able to see that. So um, this approach um, is an approach that I wish more people would follow. Now, don't get me wrong. It's an approach that is extremely difficult. It's extremely painful. There's no answers as to when your child or children will come back into the fray, but it's the only approach. If you go the approach of attack, 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 which I know many people that reach out to me, maybe the same people reach out to you, Jacob, that basically as they're reading this article, like, oh, another article on parental alienation, which again, is not common, but for the articles that have been written, it's mostly like, okay, how do we attack the other spouse? And when they were reading it, and it's like, it changed gears, as you said, for the purposes of how do I do this from my perspective and help my child and hopefully my child comes back to me, people were like, wow, you know, and I don't need the pat on the back in the sense of, wow, Brad, you're a great writer. Brad, it, it was an excellent article. I appreciate it, don't get me wrong. Um, 
I'm not completely humble, you know, people that know me, I border on arrogance, you know, but uh, nonetheless, you know, I try, I try the dividing line, as they say, between confidence and arrogance. I think so far I've been doing a pretty good job in my life, occasionally not, depending on who you ask, but overall, I think I'm good. That being said, um, when you're dealing with this situation, uh, based on experience and based on what I know, um, there has not been one situation that I can tell you in my personal life, Jacob, you can tell me differently, where if you go the approach of attack, the other, the spouse that unfortunately ex-spouse is alienating you, whereby if you do that, you're going to be successful with bringing your child and children back into your life. Usually it's never the case. Um, and the approach that this does is allow your child to feel safe again. Okay. As much as that sounds odd, your child, for whatever reason, has been brainwashed by the other spouse. So they believe that you're a horrible mother, a horrible father. Um, and they need to feel safe in the environment with you again. A lot of the times brainwashing may not be during the divorce process, it may be after the divorce process. So you could be amicable during the divorce process or amicable enough to get through the process, but the brainwashing could occur years later. Um, the long-term effects um, are detrimental to the child, in my mind, or children, if you play it to the extent of the attack. Eliminate the attack. As the saying goes in Frozen years ago, famous movie that we all know, let it go. It's a better approach. It's a tough approach, but that approach will ultimately get your child and or children back into the fray. And law of average, they will realize which parent was the good parent versus the parent that tried to sabotage and destroy a relationship with a, you know, a father and or a mother that wants to be in their kid's life, especially now during COVID where, you know, I don't know the numbers, but over 500,000 people, you know, it appears, you know, um, in the United States passed away from this horrible, horrible disease. And we're still dealing with it as we're approaching Purim, you know, a year later. Um, you know, you would think with everything going around and with, with this, you know, horrible pandemic um, that people would realize not to alienate, especially when parents, unfortunately, um, or individuals, you know, are, are dying left and right from this disease. Um, maybe it's a wake-up call. Um, it's not something that I want to use the pandemic to give people a wake-up call. But nonetheless, if it is timely, um, perhaps it's something that um, those parents that were alienating, if they do see the article, even though deep down, as I said, they'll probably deny it. Maybe, maybe if one, even one parent that's been alienating read that article and sees what they have done to their child or children by, you know, you can hate the former spouse as much as you want but don't put, use the kids as pawns. And, and if I got through to one of those alienating parents, then my article was well, was definitely worthwhile. And at the same time, as you said, getting through to other people that might have had some knowledge in this area, um, that now has a better understanding of it. I've gotten calls from interns that are in this field, or at least attempting to go into this field. I've gotten calls from people from various locales, uh, whether it's attorneys such as yourself, um, or people that are just lay people that don't, you know, have no clue about matrimonial law, um, or had friends that might have been alienated from various um, friends, parents, um, and reading this article really shed some light, and I was amazed by um, the feedback that I got, and I'm happy with the feedback that I got, because it shows that the article that I wrote that I put a lot of time and effort into um, showed that the community and communities and the people that read it from all walks of life, not just talking to the Jewish community, I've had many people, as I said before, that I relate to all types of people, read this article, um, and all of them um, felt it was uh, an article that really hit home. And I'm hoping that it did hit home with the people that needed to be hit home by. And at the same time, if the children read the article, 
um, whether they're young, whether they're 10 or 15 or 25 years old, if kids read the article, um, you know, and understood where it was coming from, maybe they will see where their unfortunate parent that is being alienated um, has dealt with it and realized that in the long run, that parent just loves their child, the children, and really wants to be a part of their lives. And in time, they will respect the child and that child's feelings as hard as it may be to eventually get to the point where they can get that loving relationship back. It might be different, but at least getting the relationship back in a healthy atmosphere with their child or children in the future. Doing it this way is the only approach. Um, and doing it any other way is the wrong approach. And I hope that people realize that in the long run to do it this way, because the other way, um, the results are beyond astronomical and, and, and beyond um, comprehensible, to be honest with you, in the, in, the, in the true sense of what will be if you continue to fight. Because the only people that are suffering in the long run are other children. And as I said before, I pride myself on helping the kids and children get to a loving relationship. And right now, your child and children don't want to be in your life, even if they were brainwashed to believing you're the worst parent on the planet. Try your best to let it go. Now, that doesn't mean you can't you know, just sit back and do nothing. What it means is you could very easily send, you know, email your child, text your child, you know, um, I love you, I miss you, you know, you want to go to dinner, but don't expect the result. Don't expect for the child to come back to you and say, sure, daddy, sure, mommy, let's go for dinner, let's go food shopping, let's go, um, you know, uh, clothes shopping. It's not going to happen overnight, but if you play it right and the child knows, you know, that you still are there without giving up, the worst thing you can do is give up, but be there and let your child come back to you. It's in, in a way, as crazy as this sounds, it's like the child is the parent and the parent is the child. Let the child be comfortable with you to return. And if you force the issue and force the child, it's never going to happen. So just let things be. And in the law of averages, and based on experience from what I've seen in my own personal um, you know, um, career with uh, clients that I've told this before, you know, before or you know, situations where I know friends that have unfortunately dealt with it, um, again, it's not a science and it's not 100%, but this approach will get uh, a much better result in the long run if you follow it. And I'm hoping that people do. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would agree. And, you know, the one point I would add here is that in today's day and age, you know, divorce was so taboo 50 years ago. Uh, and I always tell Orthodox Jews, like, there's a reason that it's not something even brought down in the Gemara, but the Chumash itself talks about it because. When it comes to a point where the marriage is not working, it's detrimental to the children to live in a home where the parents can't get along. Um, but one of the benefits of divorce being more acceptable in 2021 is that there are so many resources available to live in a healthy way as co-parents. And when this is going on, the child who is entitled to having both of their parents at their absolute best, very often lose that with both parents due to this kind of behavior from, from one or both sides. And it's so unfair to the children, so you know, inconsiderate to the children, and it's, it's not giving them that form of life. And the thing is, a lot of times you'll hear justification. You know, I actually had a case recently where I already saw my client was doing this to her husband or soon to be ex-husband, you know, and I basically said there, no matter how bad the guy is, and by the way, in my humble opinion, he wasn't that bad. Maybe I'm just, you know, jaded in some way or, or so, decrepit that it like <laughs> these things don't affect anymore i don't know but there's never an right. excuse to talk to the children about it unless they're in concrete danger and where parents get off kind of 
damaging these things in such a fundamental way during children's you know formative years is objectively unforgivable you know the Jews are always supposed to forgive and forget you know but at the same time it's like it's such an evil thing to do and it's my hope that like you made the first dent in society where people will start to recognize it and you know it, it's one of these you know epidemics you know where as you mentioned no society is free from this every society is suffering from parents that are doing this and ultimately the real issue is just hurting their children Absolutely. so yeah brad this was awesome i know you're a busy guy um thank you so so much for taking the time out i did have one question for you before we sign off sure i hope it's okay. sure, i'll allow to it's okay you know okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's an extremely personal question okay sure. um you, you've been on the market for some time now you're very marketable you're a great guy you have so much going for you have you seen any form of success over the years that you wanted to share with me that you think would be meaningful to people that are like, you know, grasping in air, just like looking for some hope that can be provided by someone who's been out in the market. And, and this is even separate from, you know, being a divorce lawyer, just uh, anything positive you could share with us. Uh, in regards to the divorce world, in regards to, uh, I'm not exactly 100% sure regarding the question. Oh, sorry. I'll be very frank. You love life. Sure. Oh, okay. So you are getting personal. Huh? I'm getting very uh, personal. I see that. Um, so I will say that, um, you know, as I said, I've been divorced for 10 years. Um, I've gone out with a lot of people, some some good, some bad, you know, some in between, as they say, I've run the gamut. Um, the one thing that I can say, or at least I, I feel with my reputation, um, if you ask people around, people that have gone out with, some that have gotten remarried, I'm happy with them, we just weren't the right match. Um, I think people uh, will say, because um, I've heard it, um, that I'm a nice guy, I'm a good guy, you know, I'm an honest guy, um, you know, I'm the full package in that regard, you know, and again, that's not being conceited, it's just being from what, you know, from what I've heard um, through being out there with the grapevine, um, and it was frustrating, it's very frustrating, you know, going out with people and not uh, getting that, that match. Um, that being said, uh, let's just say, um, as sad and unfortunate as I said earlier regarding COVID, that unfortunately individuals um, passed away, um, and it's been a trying time. In fact, it's still a trying time. But COVID for me actually was um, actually a, an experience in terms of I do feel feel like I have met and through the process of dealing with divorce and knowing what's out there and mixing my personal to an extent, not mixing as I said earlier, business with pleasure but mixing it in the sense of knowing the type of people and knowing um, what I'm looking for. And when I, when I say that, you know, they always say, well, you have to compromise, you have to give in on certain things, you know, on both respects. I found truthfully, I got the perfect 10 in what I'm looking for. Um, she's everything that I ever dreamed of. I guess I had to wait for um, this period of time for that to happen. Um, and, and I know that uh, it's not that she's the lucky one. I feel like I'm the lucky one in terms of finding her. And I'm hoping that um, in due time, um, you know, we'll have uh, some happy announcement to make. And I will say to people that are out there that are struggling or have no hope or they've given up, never, never give up hope. Um, always believe, um, have beat up on, you know, Amuna. It's always easy to have faith when things are going well. It's being, uh, when things are down that you have to, um, you know, strive to the highest and see 
you know, and really, really believe in Hashem. And I will say a thing because I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, people that are, you know, listening to this and, you know, in due time, you know, will understand, um, you know, from the Orthodox perspective, one other thing that I'm going to add, but I'll elaborate to explain is I always had a hard time for like Shabbos, you know, the Sabbath day that, you know, Friday night, it was always difficult for me, um, no matter where I was, whether it was by family, whether it was by friends, pre-COVID aside, um, or even during COVID, where obviously you don't go a lot of places, um, to sing Asia's Fire, which is basically a song of battle for the wife that the husband usually sings on Friday night, you know, after the blessing of the wine on the Kiddush. Um, and no matter what, I never, I never sang it. And one day, um, I said to myself, after hearing a story or reading a story about a family that went to a rabbi, they couldn't have children. The rabbi kind of said, build a nursery. And they were like, what do you, how do you build a nursery? We couldn't have kids for years. They listened to the rabbi. They built the nursery. And as they say, the rabbi was a sadik at the brisk. From that experience, I always in spiritual. I'm orthodox. I go to younger children, Cedars, But I always feel like from a spiritual level that someone's calling me. And I said, you know what? On that note, I'm going to start singing Asia's Kyle um, every single um, you know, Friday night. And I started it in August. And um, a few months later is when I met this awesome individual. And I can say, you know, for people that are out there, no matter what race or religion, if there's something that you could do, and don't do something you can't do, try to do something that's bothering you, but you could achieve it. And if you do that, um, God, that's what God is looking for. Hashem is looking for you to just go the extra mile because uh, he loves us all. And if you do that, um, that right person will be there. Don't give up. We're all going to have our moments where we say, uh, I can't take this anymore. This date stinks. That date stinks. He's no good. She's no good. When am I going to find the right person? If I gave up, I never would be in the situation that I'm in. So to the people that are out there, um, you know, case in point, I'm a perfect example. Um, I tell it to my friends. I tell it to colleagues. Um, you know, persevere, perseverance, stamina, and eventually, God willing, uh, with Hashem's help, um, you all will get to that level, um, but just have that amuna that you will get there. Once you give up on amuna, you have nothing. And hopefully, um, through that faith that you have, you will, uh, you know, realize that at the end of the day that Hashem had a master plan and just understand that no matter what walk of life you're in or whatever struggle you're dealing with, whether it's a shit up or other things, but more specifically in regards to what you're asking um, of finding someone, I do feel that in the long run, you will find that person. Um, again, I'm not a Navi as a prophet, but I know based on based on experience, if you hold out long enough, the right person will will come in your way. So yes, I'm grateful for the opportunity, and um, I'm a lucky guy. From what you shared with me, Bradley, I, I would have to agree with you. So, but uh, anybody who's involved with you, I'd have to say it goes both ways. Um, thank you, thank you so much for doing this. Um, especially for letting me get personal with you uh, and attack you on some personal matters. I really meant a lot. Um, and I know it's a busy time before Purim, so I wanted to just say uh, Freilus and Purim to you and yours, you know, all your loved ones, and uh, just just keep on doing what you're doing. I mean, you're making such an impact in society, and you're an inspiration for so many. So thank you for being a friend. Thank you for taking the time to do this, and uh, thank you for your powerful words. Jacob, right back at you. I, I appreciate every word that you said. I, I, I don't know you long, but I, the time that I've known you. You've been uh, an inspiration for me. You've been there for me in so many ways. Um, you always give a listening ear, no matter what the time of day. Um, you are, as much as you feel, I'm an inspiration. I appreciate that. You're an inspiration to everyone around us, um, for your friends, your colleagues, your loved ones, um, for your for your three, you know, daughters. Um, I know what people have said about you around the community. You know, um, 
the very good things. People that say negative, I don't talk to them. No, it's, um, but everyone says, uh, everyone says positive things about you and you should be proud of your accomplishments. Um, and I'm proud as well to call you my friend, afraid of referral firm to you, you know, and your family. And, um, you know, uh, if there's anything further you, you know, want of me or at any time, I'd be happy to, you know, to come back and, uh, you know, share more uh, physical with you. Maybe next time you'll get a little more personal. You might regret it's that. Like if I met a Yankee fan, you know, that, that goes for it. You know, what? I said you might regret that <laughs> also, but yeah. Oh, I might regret that. that. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We'll save that for at least say maybe some other time. So be well. Thank you so much um, for, the, for this opportunity and um, I treasure our friendship. Yes, right back at you. All right, man. I'll talk to you. Thank you. All right. Be well. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Stay safe. All the best.